0: as alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Al-Amin, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. If you are new to the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. You can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And you can also keep up with us. Well, I should say you can also check out those previous episodes that you have missed out on. Wherever you get your podcast. So if that's iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, or SoundCloud. You'll find us at the same username. That's at Radio Islam USA. And last but not least. If you'd like to give us a call. You can do so at 312 750 1178 312 7, 1, 1, 750 1178 Radio Islam family there is always so much going on there's this old uh, there's a quote and I've I've only seen it in in movies and it's uh, it goes it basically says may you live in interesting times right and I think that we can we can all attest that we are definitely living in interesting times uh, that there's, uh, there seems to be a pendulum. Uh, the pendulum is swinging in a different direction. Uh, and we were, uh, as a nation, uh, as, a, as a country, and even I think globally, there was a lot of hope uh, invested in the, the symbolism of what it meant to have the first African-American president of the United States, right? The leader of the free world. Uh, that, that gave a lot of, a lot of hope. Uh, to a lot of folks. And some folks took it a little too far, right? And they said that now we're in a post-racial uh, world, and you know, we know that's not the case. There's a lot of healing, a lot of work that needs to be done. But that pendulum continues to swing, and now we find ourselves with an administration uh, that has succeeded one that was about hope, that is now, uh, that looks to be much more about uh, fear and, and separation and all that good stuff. But anyway... Let's kind of move into uh, two things we want to talk about at the top of the show, and that is last week's Supreme Court decision. Uh, They ruled on the Janus case, uh, which uh, we actually talked about a little bit uh, with regard to it's going to have a lot of impact for collective bargaining for unions, public unions in particular. Uh, And then we also want to touch base on the tariff wars, right? Um, President Trump, uh, he has... You know, we've levied uh, tariffs on uh, a number of nations, among them China, uh, which happens to be our biggest uh, creditor. Um, we, you know, we owe them the most money. And tomorrow, these tariffs are supposed to go into effect. So, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take a moment uh, to touch base with uh, a voice, a perspective that we uh, appreciate being able to tap into, and that is Brother Bill Fletcher Jr. Uh, we actually had a chance to speak with him a while back, you may recall, but he is the co-founder, I'll remind you, the co-founder of the Center for Labor Renewal, a columnist, longtime activist, served as the president of Trans-Africa Forum, uh, formerly the education director and later assistant to the president of the AFL-CIO, and author of, I'll just give you one of the books, The Indispensable Ally, Black Workers and the Formation of the Congress of Industrial Relations among other uh uh books that he has written but we are pleased to have him on the phone assalamu alaykum.
1: alaikum wa alaikum thank you for having me on the program
0: Oh, it's a pleasure it's a pleasure so yeah as, as i was mentioning uh that uh, at first i just kind of started out you know may you live in interesting times this this uh old old uh, quote old saying and we are certainly in interesting times we look at the janus decision that was um uh decided last week by the uh supreme court and what this could possibly mean for for labor, and then, you know, as I was mentioning also the tariffs. um, We'd love to hear uh, your perspective. What does this look like to you?
1: All right, so let's start with the Janus decision. So for your listeners that may not have followed all of it, Mm -hmm. uh, the Supreme Court made a decision that was the result of years of effort by right-wing groups to destabilize and weaken trade unions mm-hmm. and with a particular focus on the public sector. So the decision revolved around a case um, called Janice versus AFSME. Uh and the the issue was this. In the public sector a worker does not if there is a union, a worker does not have to become a member of the union. But the worker Uh, pays what's called an agency fee or a fair share fee to help to cover the cost of representation. Now, what this means is this. The union has a legal obligation that it can't walk around, that it must represent all members of a bargaining unit that are certified, uh, that is, that that they're technically supposed to represent uh, fairly and equitably, irrespective of union membership. So in other words, even if someone chooses not to join a union, the union is obligated by law to represent them. Well, that raises an obvious question. Where do the resources come from to represent the worker? Right. They're not getting any governmental assistance. They're not getting any assistance from the foundation. So their resources come from dues or from agency fees. So one way to think of an agency fee is like insurance, auto insurance. Mm-hmm. If you're going to drive a car, you have to have auto insurance. You can't claim that it's your, uh, your First Amendment right not to pay auto insurance. You can't say that because you're a good driver, you don't need to pay auto insurance. You pay auto insurance. <laughs> right. It's a condition of driving a car, pure and simple. Well, what the right wing has tried to say is that having a worker pay a fee infringes on their freedom of speech. And it's no such case. Uh, you know, a worker that is in a union or is represented by a union uh, has every right to say whatever they want. They don't have to like the union. They don't have to agree with the leadership. They don't have to agree with the stand of the union. That's not going to affect their employment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the union needs resources in order to cover, uh, cover representation. So one way to think about it is this. If you can think of any city, town, county, or state in the United States where taxation is voluntary but where people have a right, to free water, sewer, education, police, and fire, Mm -hmm. right? Then the discussion stops. If you can't identify one, then you have to ask the question, why is this standard being held against unions?
2: Right. Right.
1: That's what the case is about. It's really simple. I mean, the court tried to make it about, about the First Amendment, Mm-hmm. But that was, you know, it was it was a wonderful example of what is called sophistry, and sophistry is where someone makes an argument that sounds logical, but where the premise is flawed. Uh, and an example that I always give is this: mm-hmm. uh, an example of sophistry. Vampires are scared away by garlic. Mm-hmm. I eat a lot of garlic. I've never had a problem with a vampire. <laughs> Right. That, that's an example of sophistry. <laughs> right? The basic premise is flawed, but the argument sounds logical. What the Supreme Court did was just that last week. It came out with an argument that sounded logical, but the basic premise was flawed, because they ignored fundamentally that the union is obligated by law. It's called exclusive representation mm-hmm. to represent fairly and equitably all workers.
0: Are they also uh and i guess maybe that's not the place for it but it seems like there would be some recognition of the history um of the the labor movement with regard to uh with with regard to the fact that we even have unions uh today and the ability to uh collectively bargain and to have um have uh, workers uh, rights uh, to have health care, to have uh, not just not just benefits, but but safe working conditions. All of these things that came about through the ability to collectively of of collective representation in the labor uh, from the labor force.
1: The Supreme Court majority doesn't care about that. Yeah. they they were very clear that uh, you know yes unions have a right to exist and yes this will hurt unions, but that's life. Uh, I mean, they're, they're very clear about it. I mean, we have to understand this is a very polarized Supreme Court. Uh, there's no attempt, as was obvious in the Citizens United case, in the Muslim ban. Uh, there's no attempt at fairness of, of trying to dig deeply and, and, and look at precedent. There is no interest in that. This is a full-court press to push us back to about 1898.
0: Yes, yes. And, and so what, what do you foresee being the uh, response?
1: Well, there's going to be, I think, several different kinds of responses. So there's, an, there's a sort of interesting and idiotic response by some anti-union workers who are trying to say that they should get their back uh, fees, those that have been paying agency fees. Mm. should be able to get them uh, get reimbursed. And I call that idiotic because if you were to accept that premise, you would basically be saying that unions or any other institution that was operating on a good-faith ba- basis, based on accepted law mm. of a Supreme Court decision that has been in existence for 41 years, right. and you're saying that that could not only be overturned, but that people would get reimbursed, then I would say if that's the case, we should hit the, the, the country with massive reparation suits right. all at once, right. massive reparation suits, um, and just absolutely flood the court with, with suits, mm-hmm. bring it to a halt, right? um, so it's idiotic, that's one response. Okay. Um, the, there are some unions that have been uh, expecting that this decision could happen and, and they have been signing up uh, those who have been agency fee payers mm-hmm. and asking them to officially join the union uh, there's other unions that are recognizing that, that they'll have to do a lot more internal organizing and then there are some unions that are in complete denial uh, and are doing nothing uh, so there's going to be all kinds of responses. I think that the, the bottom line, though, is that this is representation, once again, of the class war that's being carried out against working people. And it's being done uh, with the blessing of the man sitting in the White House who claimed to be uh, speaking on behalf of the average a uh, working man, and I emphasize working man, mm-hmm. uh, when he was actually—you know—it's all travesty.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, let let me get your thoughts on this. Um, speaking of this, the the, the man that's in the White House, and he's got a long history that um, that goes well beyond his his time on the campaign trail. Uh, there are interviews that he he talked about his idea on on trade and uh how he was he was much more in favor of bilateral uh agreements uh and so we see now his uh this this imposition of, of tariffs is really being his, his him making good on uh things that he said well before uh he started campaigning but certainly supporting his his campaign rhetoric mm. what what do you think uh this is going to do to uh well, I'm not going to ask. I don't want to make it too, too specific. Just just give me your sure. your take on it.
1: Okay, so first, uh, Trump knows nothing about economics. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, let's just be clear about that. He has bankrupted several companies. I mean, it's the whole notion that this man is a great businessman is, is based on a myth. Right. Um, and he doesn't understand history either and really doesn't understand international affairs. So let's just start off with that as a basic premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the second thing is that Uh, What is true is that many of these, if not most of these, multilateral trade agreements Mm -hmm. have been to the disadvantage of working people. Now, you notice I didn't say U.S. working people. I said working people. Mm. Because it's not just the U.S. Trump likes to portray it as the U.S. as the victim. But if you take an example of NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, what you see in that is that the U.S. is not the victim? Working people in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico proved to be the victims of NAFTA. And when when Trump has suggested, uh, for instance, that the Mexicans are ripping off our jobs, if you look at the impact that NAFTA had, it destroyed the agricultural sector of Mexico. It it, it weakened the public sector and produced an. Uh, an impetus of, for pressure for migration north, so these trade agreements are to the advantage of global capitalism that's right but that 's not what Trump is saying. Right. Trump is looking for a way of promoting the u s business community he 's not looking out for working people. Right. And, and one of the things that's really important is that many of these trade agreements have been devastating for working people. I mean, NAFTA is an example of, of it. But the larger context is that it's not just these trade agreements. It's the way that capitalism has been operating that has been crushing working people. Automation, um, what's called casualization, which is the restructuring of work. I mean, a number of these things together. That's not what Trump is talking about, but here's the third issue. Um, the third issue is that what trump is is doing is destabilizing global capitalism, and he's also destabilizing u s capitalism so for example, by in imposing these tariffs, the consequences are are uh is a trade war right. And it, one of the things that it means is that the sectors that he claims he wants to protect, like steel, mm-hmm. um, he's doing that uh, while at the same time other sectors of the economy are already suffering. And you see that in, in what's happening already with Canada and with Europe. Uh, there is not a good end to these trade wars. And, and, and they, Trump's whole notion that these are easy that these are easy to start and easy to win there 's no historical foundation for that argument. This could be very significant, and one of the things that many economists are concerned about is that it could trigger another uh, major recession mm.
0: Mm. and taking it back down to the working uh, mm-hmm. to the working folks um, there are uh, th- there's already been an announcement from um Harley Davidson that they would be moving production uh from the u s mm-hmm. uh there are farmers in that in those those rural areas i think it was a uh, iowa or um somewhere some midwestern um agricultural um uh area mm-hmm. where where hog um uh production or hog farming you know that that's big and they're looking at. Uh, really negative impacts from tariffs that uh, China has levied uh, or is, is proposing to levy against uh, uh, U.S., and one of those would would be uh, related to uh, hog farming. Mm-hmm. Um, how long, or will it, will there come a point where the base that Trump appealed to begins to see that his decisions are actually... Making life worse for them?
1: Well, I think people, many people in Trump's base are already seeing that. The question is, at what point do they decide that having this unpredictable racist uh, in the White House is less advantageous to them? Than they had originally thought. And, yeah. I, and I pose it that way because I'm really tired of hearing about the plight of white people. <laughs> I, I really am. I'm really tired of hearing about the poor white people that have been suffering through the economy yeah. and that out of desperation turned to Trump. Right. When I know about the numbers, the millions of poor African Americans, Latinos, Native Americans, Asians, that have been suffered who disproportionately mm-hmm. have suffered under this economy and have never done something as ludicrous as voting for Trump. So I'm just sorta of tired of hearing That's this very stuff. Point. Uh and, and and so the the but the so then we have to go on to, well then why would people vote for this guy? Mm-hmm. Why would they support him? Why would they continue to support him despite the clear evidence of all of these lies that he has perpetrated? Uh, as well as these policies, and that 's where you come down to the race card and you have to remember that the two dominant factors for Trump voters was immigration and terrorism, and they weren 't talking about immigration from Russia and they weren 't talking about white supremacist terrorism mm-hmm. um, and and it was a racial lens, so the question is to at what point will trump 's voters say this guy is out of his mind and this is really destroying me and and i would say that realistically a good solid core of his of his base will never change their mind because they've essentially lost their humanity
0: or or, or didn't have it to begin with
1: that's right precisely
0: mm. very good very interesting very interesting points um Thank you. Sure. Thank you very much.
2: Absolutely.
0: All right, uh, Radio Slum family, uh, um, we just heard from Bill Fletcher Jr. Um, and I'll just give you one of the the books, uh, author of the indispensable ally: Black Workers and the Formation of the Congress of the Industrial Relations, um, and he's got many more. You can go online and just just Google them. Uh, thank you very much for your time once again. Pleasure. Uh, Radio Slum family, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a look at uh, the recent resignation of Scott Pruitt of the EPA. This is uh, Radio Slam on WCV, 1450 AM. We'll be right back.
3: People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just... One phone charger. So, um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks. How much energy and money could the new ones really save? Maybe it's
4: time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the
2: energy and resources we can. Because a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later. And you just never know what people will need in the future. My name is
3: Sarah and I'm going to get started today.
0: We can all help save more energy for tomorrow. What's your excuse? For more energy-saving tips that also save money, visit loseyourexcuse.gov slash parents. This message is brought to you by the US Department of Energy, the Ad Council, and the station.
3: Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's kind of like an elephant it's on my chest. I feel like I'm choking. Sometimes my parents have to take me to the hospital.
0: You know how to
4: react to their asthma attacks. Here's how to prevent them. Call one eight six six no attacks Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many.
3: I feel like a fish with no water.
4: Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council.
0: The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its north side location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling Area Code 872. Eight zero six zero one four one. That's area code eight seven two eight zero six zero one four one, or by visiting their website at Syrian Community org. <music> Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alami, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. Remember, folks, you can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And you can also listen to those previous episodes and this one, too. If you're just tuning in, uh, you can go back and Check this once it's uh, up on the podcast. So wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, or SoundCloud, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. That being said, uh, last thing I'll tell you, if you'd like to join in these last, uh, this last half hour that we have for the uh, program, you can give us a call at 312-750-1178. 312-750-1178. Okay, so... Um, Many of you, uh, I'm sure you have saw the breaking news today that EPA, uh, the head of the EPA, uh, tendered his resignation, his resignation was accepted uh, by President Trump. Uh, we're talking about Scott Pruitt, and he has been uh, to put it lightly, uh, to say embattled would really be a -- I think it would be a step down. Uh, but he has, he's definitely been under a microscope. Uh, there have been about 15, from uh, what's reported, 15 ethics um, investigations that have taken place during his tenure uh, as EPA head, and um, uh, actually most, most recently, I think it was a couple of days ago, that a mother uh, of a two-year-old approached him as he was uh, having dinner or eating in some diner and, uh, and asked for him to resign. Uh, told him that he should resign. So, we're actually going to go ahead and take a listen uh, to that and then we'll come back, we'll talk about it.
4: I just wanted to urge you to resign um, because what you're doing to the environment in our country. This is my son. He loves animals, he loves clean air, he loves clean water. We deserve to have somebody at the EPA who actually does protect our environment, somebody who believes in climate change and takes it seriously for the benefit of all of us, including our children. So I would urge you
0: to resign before your scandals push you out. Yep. So she got her wish. She she got her wish. Um, He has resigned. And um, I think it's important to go back to um, what what she mentioned. She says, I've got a two-year-old. and uh, I want my child, uh, as any parent would, to be able to grow up in a in an environment with clean water, with clean air, uh, with resources, uh, that are available and in an environment that is, that is healthy. Now, the Trump administration's goal has been to roll back president Obama's, um, uh, any directives, uh, up to the EPA that took place during his administration. His goal has been to roll back any regulation, uh, and even going back to President um, Bush, uh, forty-one, right? Uh, some of those regulations that were put in, uh, put into effect. So, I think we can see that uh, the dismantling of that administration uh, that has been—that's been the primary focus. And I want to bring our attention to when we talk about uh, Scott Pruitt as a, as a, um, as a head, right? I think it's important to remember remember who appointed him, right? Trump ran on a platform of draining the swamp, right? But rhetoric is just is just that it's just rhetoric. Now, if we look at Trump, and we're going to get back to Pruitt because we have another clip we're gonna we're gonna play in a second, but prior to Trump's presidency, um, he made a comment. As a matter of fact, this is um, I think this is on the campaign trail. He made a comment that is private jet. A uh, Boeing 757 was superior to Air Force uh, One, right? The, the plane that was responsible for transporting then President Barack Obama uh, around. Uh, he would point to the silk pillows, the gold trimmings everywhere, uh, from seat buckles to to the to the toilet fixtures, uh, and look at that as a mark of superiority. Now, of course, Trump is known for uh, his hotels and casinos. Um, But keep in mind that he's also he's he's obviously known for opulence, right? For extravagance. So we have to ask ourselves a question: Did anything about Trump scream fiscal conservative uh, or fiscally responsible? No. Yeah. 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 Um, Let me finish. Uh, Anything? So it was nothing there, right? So modesty has never been a part of his public image. And now, when we talk about Pruitt and his abuse of the financial trust of his office, which you know we haven't got to and we will uh you may already be familiar with it but uh we have a little clip that's going to kind of give you some uh give you a little more context to this but before my brother ibrahim is is, is waiting to get in on this
2: so <laughs> before we get to that second part i just thought this uh mom that confronted scott pruitt yeah they had her on cnn that's where the clip is from mm-hmm. um she had a very interesting response when they asked her. They played a, a clip for her of Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying that, you know, you should be civil and public and stuff like that. Right. Um, her response to that was very interesting, so I'm going to play that really Oh, quickly. yeah, good, good, good
3: sad what the situation and where politics have gotten look we live in an amazing country and certainly people should be free to disagree but i think that we can do that in a way that is much nicer that doesn't call for people to never be able to step foot in public
4: does she have a point should scott pruitt be able to eat in peace
3: Listen, I, I'm not surprised that that's what they want to talk about is the where and the when as
1: opposed to the issues. Um, it's a distraction. Uh, we pay um, these administrators' bills via taxes. They are our employees. Their job is to serve the public. If they're doing their job properly, if they want to be doing their job effectively, then they should want to hear from us. Mm. And here I am telling them how I feel. That's exactly, that's exactly how,
2: how
0: yeah. it should go. Straight, straight to the point. Who's going to argue with that? Uh, and this idea... And it's really difficult for me to take anything that Sarah Huckabee Sanders says uh, with any any seriousness, to give any weight to it. Um, just, just for somebody who gets up and... I'm not going to insult her. I'm not. It's just difficult for me to take anything she says. But yeah, the the mother... And we didn't get her name, did we? Well... Kristen, she's a teacher. She's, oh, she's a teacher. Well her point uh I mean it was it was spot on right these are elected officials they seem to believe themselves to be beyond reproach uh, some of them do and uh and he is working on behalf of the American people, but every action that he's taken <laughs> the environment that we enjoy uh he has done everything that he's done has been has not been in the people's interest has been for the uh in the interests of those who want to uh, to, to use up the resources, uh, you know, they're not concerned about carbon footprints and all of that. So I, I'm with her hundred percent. So um, what do we have here? Oh yeah. So we have, cause I want to get into some of the figures and I know this next clip, they will talk about some of those because it's important for us to to understand when I make this, when I make this comparison, make this point about Trump and his, his image what he's known for, his lifestyle, how he relates to money and opulence, and how Scott Pruitt was a was was an extension of that. How he also managed his own budget.
2: Yeah, this is from uh, this is basically MSNBC's analysis of recounting all the times that Scott Pruitt is alleged to have spent money in a just a flamboyant way, public money, our money. Yeah. EPA Administrator Scott
4: Pruitt has spent more than $58,000 taxpayer dollars on non-commercial flights. Pruitt also gave himself, and listen to this, an 18-person 24-7 security detail at a cost of more than $830,000 in just three months. Pruitt used public money to have his office swept for hidden listening devices and bought sophisticated biometric locks for additional security. The EPA spent nearly $25,000 to build a soundproof communications booth for Pruitt's office. Pruitt has been routinely flying first class, such as a $1,600 first class seat to fly all the way from Washington, D.C. to New York, and the round trip flight to Italy that cost at least $7,000 in the stupendously opulent business class cabin on Emirates Airline. Last summer, More than, I almost can't believe this is true, but it is, more than $120,000 in public money was spent for Pruitt to take one single trip to Italy. Scott Pruitt took a bribe from the wife of a top energy lobbyist who gave Pruitt a sweetheart deal on a condo. Pruitt's security detail broke down the door of the condo when it was believed Pruitt was unconscious and needed to be rescued. He was reportedly discovered waking up from a nap. Scott Pruitt lied to Congress about using private email have I ever heard of that before? Using private email to talk to Big Oil as Oklahoma Attorney General. In another corner of the Pruitt scandal universe is the news that Pruitt bypassed the White House to give big raises to two of his favorite aides. You'll remember Scott Pruitt got in hot water over a $50 a night apartment he rented from a lobbyist in D.C. who had business before the EPA. So and uh, now we know they
0: broke the down the door because he was <laughs> because he was sleeping too hard. Oh man, man. Uh, family, it's, this is something to. I'm, I'm laughing, but it's it's serious, right? The we're talking about the the public trust, and I know we hear people throw around taxpayer dollars, but I'll tell you, I take it I take this very I take that very seriously because I can't seem to get the IRS out of my pocket. Um, they seem to come back every single year, um, and you know it anyway that that that's another that's another program it's another show but if you look at uh the cost of previous administrations right previous administrators of the EPA uh their security detail in particular averaged less than $1. 1.9 $1. 9 million dollars right this is over the past 8 years that was that was the average 1.9 million now the cost for Pruitt his round the clock security detail in his first year was 3.5 million three point five million dollars. Now, this is also and we heard we heard uh, in that uh, clip uh, the reports of first class travel. Uh, I don't think they mentioned expensive furnishings for his office. Um, But the point is, he is an extension. He is a reflection of the attitude of excess um, of Trump. Now, that excess is going to present itself financially but it also exp- uh, presents itself ideologically as well. And if you look at the people that, that Trump has installed that, that surround him, they are people that are given to excess. Now, it may not always come out in, in a financial sense, but ideologically, which is probably the more dangerous of the two, uh, if you look at people like Scott Miller, um, who is the, uh, the architect really behind the hold, separating children from their parents as a deterrent, right, to cause the maximum amount of pain uh, to people uh, who are immigrating here. And if you were listening in that first half, we're talking to uh, to Bill Fletcher, and he talked about how uh, these trade agreements, these multilateral trade agreements, how they have impacted not companies but working people, and the working people – that had been affected, if we're talking about uh, in Mexico and, and uh, Central America, regions where um, uh, uh, there were agricultural you know, economies, were farmers. And farming was decimated in areas like that, which lit the fire for immigration, for people to leave looking for better working conditions, looking for sustainable conditions for them their, their families. Uh, which led to breakdowns uh, in society, which led to uh, a greater and a more pronounced criminal uh, element. Um, so, these trade agreements, you know, which which have impacted migration, um, that we had a hand in, and then we turn around. Well, I shouldn't say we, because I'm not going to take any. We'll we'll talk about these things, but for our political leaders our politicians, our elected officials to take a stance that now you're going to punish the people that are seeking that are looking for a a better life, right? This is ideological. There's something there's something extremely wrong. It is simply to extract all of the um all of the life out of either land or people. And when people resist and they they try to assert their, their humanity, then you make them suffer. So Pruitt, I bring this back to Pruitt. He's one of those those people, and he's not alone. Um, yeah, that that's 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 a real problem, folks. That is a real that is a real problem. So um, I'm sure whoever his replacement is, um, it's the deputy director, right? That's going to take over, and I, I can't recall his name right now, but. Uh, The deputy director is going to take over and they will continue this extreme response uh, to roll back any type of uh, policies, anything that was to that represented and that represented President Obama, that administration. Right. So and it's going to be even though he's gone. The effects, they remain. Those effects remain. All right. So look. uh,
2: Okay, go ahead uh, Scott Pruitt's replacement His name is Andrew Wheeler Yeah People are saying right now That he is a former coal lobbyist Oh, that's wonderful (laughs) So, we'll see Yeah, I I mean Just the
0: idea Of an environmental protection agency And coal lobbyist uh, They just Yeah, those don't They don't go together Right, they don't go together. So we we already we already see that um, these folks are not working on behalf of the American people. They're not working on behalf of of the planet. Right, they're just looking to get what they can while they can, and and who the future can deal with it the problems uh, that they leave them. But yeah, so it's that's, that's, it's a sad situation, but. We'll continue to uh, to talk, and um, and this means that we have to be engaged, and we can't afford to have um, we can't afford to have this legislative body that we have in right now, that's just sitting by and watching this stuff happen. We've got to we got to swap them out. So the balance of power has to shift. So look, we're going to take a short short break. Right, we come back. We're going to talk about uh, the response that Maxine Waters. Uh, That she received didn't get the did not get the support that she should have. So we're going to talk about that when we get back. This is Radio Slime. We'll be right back in a minute. It's
4: 642 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey! the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock and it's the best time of the day because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Oh, hi. Right now, I'm getting a remarkably heartfelt bear hug from Smokey Bear. Thanks, big guy. Now, if you could let me down... See, I made sure there were no low-hanging branches when I set up my campfire. And before we left, I drowned out my campfire, stirred it, drowned it out again, then made sure it was cold! Visit SmokeyBear.com to learn tips to prevent
2: wildfires.
1: Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires.
2: Hi, my name is Stanley, and I've been arrested for stealing shoes. I didn't really steal them, but I've been sent to Camp Greenlake anyway. The worst punishment a kid could get. And at Camp Greenlake, we dig holes. Lots of holes. I've only been here a short time, but I think the camp director is up to something. I'm Stanley Yelnats, and I'm covering more than dirt at Camp Greenlake. Explore New Worlds. Read my story in the novel Holes by Lewis Sacker. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el and we are on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. We said we were going to get back into, um, we're going to talk about Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Uh, she, um, at a rally, she made a statement, which, I mean, which was right on point, uh, but that uh, that got her the attention of not just Republicans, but actually some of the folks in our own uh, Democratic Party. So we're going to take a quick listen to that and talk about that um, before we close out the program tonight. Uh, I will mention this. One of the things, um, this whole idea of civility, right? We definitely need to be civil, right? We should be able to have um, disagreements without, uh, as they say, without becoming disagreeable. But... We, we've got to, we, we have to tell the truth. We have to tell the truth. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick listen. If you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Now, I'll remind you, do you know how difficult it is to get an audience with an elected official? If, if for those who have tried, right? Just if you're not a lobbyist, if you're not a part of a a known group, um, if it's just you as a citizen, it can be extremely difficult, doggone near impossible, to get an audience with your elected. Officials, depending on where you are, it, it may be easier for some in, in, in smaller uh, locations. But in, in some of the, the the larger some of the larger uh, areas, it can be almost impossible. So what Congresswoman Water said, particularly if we're talking about um, we're talking about making our our presence known, making our voices having our voices be heard by those people that we have elected sometimes it comes down to it's just opportunity if they won't take your call then if you see them in public then yes then then let them let them hear your voice right let let them know where you stand and she didn't say anything about being violent she said make a make a scene Right, draw a crowd, let them know, and this was especially if we're talking about issues that we should that should not be partisan issues that we should be unified on. If we're talking about the separation of families, if we're talking about, and you know what, I'm gonna start. We we have to add on a lot of other issues to this, right? This is just the hot button issue right now. It's one that we, any parent, any human being, any person with the slightest uh, modicum of humanity or feeling it should resonate, should bother you to see uh, children separated from their, from their parents. Yes, that's something that should upset people. And it should move people to make phone calls. It should move people to write letters and send emails. And it should move people to address the people who have the ability to, uh, to, 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 to weigh in, to, to reverse these situations, to undo these wrongs, to call them out in public. Because if you're not going to answer my phone call, you're not going to you're not going to ignore me in public. But the issue that came up from all of this was uh, some folks on the right, uh, Republicans, uh, and said that her response was, uh, you know, it was it wasn't right that her response was not civil. Now, the problem is that they tried to brand her as being an American. Right. They, they try to brand her as being un-American for calling out uh, politicians. And there was a uh, there was a letter, right, nearly uh, 200. And you can actually see the letter if you go to us. Uh, it's on CNN. Uh, it says uh, nearly 200 black female leaders and allies outside of Congress signed a letter calling on top congressional Democrats to defend Representative Maxine Waters after she was criticized by members of her own party for urging people to protest president donald trump's cabinet members in public spaces now there's a there's there's a problem with that now the problem being the leadership themselves should have been front and center right they should have been front and center but that also means for me that maybe they know that they are not doing everything they could be doing and in politics it's as much about not just what you do, but who does it and when they do it. So sometimes somebody can say the right thing and they can do the right thing, but if they're stepping in front of who uh, if they're stepping in front of somebody else who feels like they should be the one to take their stance, well they don't they don't necessarily get the uh, support. So uh, Pelosi Schumer, uh, uh, House Minority Leader, you know Nancy Pelosi, uh, and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Both uh, since that point, they have responded. They sort of dialed back a little bit. But one of the comments or criticisms that was given was they did not give the protection. Uh, They didn't come to the defense of uh, Representative Waters when it came to comments made by President Trump. Uh, To that, I will say this much. Who is there really anybody that can stop Trump from from coming at him no 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 they, they they could have they could have stood up and shown some some solidarity uh, shown some backbone definitely uh, and not allowed for uh, representative waters to be cast out as this as as the crazy black lady which is which you know that's basically how a lot of folks how a lot of folks took it uh, and I think there's you know I think rightfully so but the idea that Trump is going to be stopped by anybody from from uh, from having from his attack, I think you know you can hang that one up. Um, this is the same guy. One of his his uh, staffers, one of his folks, made the comment about John McCain. You know, don't worry about what he has to say. You know, he's dying anyway. There was not a public apology. Uh, there was not there was not a reprimand. Uh, they it's it's business as usual so if they can do that from folks that are in their own party even dissenting then you should just you should already be prepared that he is going to blast anybody uh you could be the mailman you know if 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 you if you get retweeted if if you if your um <laughs> if your critique goes viral then you can expect for him to come at you as well anyway um i think we should follow we should follow that uh, that advice i think that was that was good sound advice from representative waters uh, our officials need to be just like that mother came and told uh, pruitt that he needs to resign and she gave the reasons why we need to have that same keep eyes open look for these people uh and and make your Make your displeasure, your dissatisfaction, make it known, right? Speak directly to the issues and speak to the people who can, who can change um, uh, what what it is, what is unacceptable to so many of us. All right, Radio Psalm family, we thank you all for tuning in. It is always a fast hour. It's a pleasure, Um, and we thank our earlier guests uh, for joining and weighing in, uh, Bill Fletcher Jr. And at this point, we're going to go ahead and say our goodbyes for the evening. We want to thank our engineers over at WCEV, Leonard. Thank you very much, sir. We thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. I'm your host, producer Tariq Elamine. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of the Sound Vision Foundation. Uh, tune in tomorrow night for movie talk. Uh, it is, it's a good one. We're talking about Luke Cage, I think. Whatever it is, it's good, right? So just, just tune in, right? We'll see you tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> what'd you say? The I said that already. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. All right, uh, Radio Sound family, have a great evening. We're going to leave you as we greeted you. as Alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.